Hi, thank you for listening. I know you're going to love this episode. Hey, listen, real quick. If you need some help ending self-sabotage and winning the war for your life and just having a plan, giving you the how to the why and knowing exactly what you need to do to win the war for your life, go to courses.royred.com forward slash winner's circle opt in. Again, that's courses.royred.com forward slash winner's circle opt in. O-P-T-I-N and get a free course, free masterclass called Winning the War for Your Life and get all of my best-selling books, all three of them for free. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to The Success Code, where Roy Red provides interviews, discussions, strategies, and talks to help broaden your perspective on your road to cracking the success code which is a personal, self-expressive journey. Enjoy. So I want to talk about performance, okay? And people were asking me, what do you mean by performance? Is that working out? What is that? Performance is just basically whatever you need to do to get an outcome done to get a result, a desired result, right? And so we got all these metrics, all these things that you guys were looking at, but you want an outcome, right? And so what we're gonna do is give you the secret, quote unquote, to performance so you can get that outcome you want, okay? So a little bit about me, I work with pro athletes, high school athletes, college athletes to help them take their game to that next level, okay? I speak on stages, I got to meet people like Tony Robbins, uh, presidents, all types of just really cool people, right? But it hasn't always been that way. About five, six years ago, in 2011, I went through a really tough time. I was driving on the freeway, and just to backpedal a little bit, I, I, I was just depressed. It, I was just going through a really hard time, depressed, and I was that kid who parents laid out everything perfect for me. My mom and my dad really, I really lucked out on the parenting train. They were both police officers and we lived in a small town called Gardena, California in Southern California, right next to Compton, California. So I was lucky to stay away from all of the the bad, but I was still kind of close. And so I had it easy as a kid and I ruined that and I just messed it up. Um, when I was 18, I became a paramedic. I was working, you know, doing what we do. I love to help people. I loved being a paramedic. But I had lost my job working 911. And we're talking about how gratitude is everything for performance and those outcomes you want to do and taking the negative and creating something positive, right? And so since I wasn't working 911 anymore, I really, I, I, didn't, I didn't really want to do it anymore. They had me working what's called IFTs, where you just transfer like dialysis patients. And I know that's important, but it it didn't make me really appreciate my job. I love the significance. I love to actually be around people who are really, really sick and really help them. It's just what I love. I was a trauma junkie, right, for the ER doctors who are in here. And so when I got fired from my job and I ended up working this really terrible job, this job made me depressed. It... I wasn't making any good money, and my boss told me, if you're late one more day, I'm going to fire you. 
And deep down, I was like, I don't care. You know what I mean? But I needed that money because I had to make rent. I had to pay my bills. And so I um, was on the way. I had to work the next day. And my truck broke down. And so what I had to do was I had to buy this really messed up car. It was this 1987 Honda. And it was this ugly beige color, like a vomit color. My, my actual car didn't look that good. And the bottom of it was rusted out. And so I literally, to get this thing to start, I don't know if you guys ever had a car like this. I had to push it, hop in, and then start it, and then I could go, right? And so I would sleep one day, depressed, didn't even, didn't even shower. And I heard this voice. It said, Roy, Roy, wake up. And I woke up. I was like, like whoa, I'm going to be late to work. So I literally just threw on my uniform, brushed my teeth, ran, grabbed my car, jumped in, started it, and I was on my way to my terrible job that I hated, right? So all I could hear was this lady self-talk in the back of my mind. If you're late, I'm going to fire you. If you're late, I'm going to fire you. I got to make rent. I got to pay bills. So as I'm driving, I'm making good time. And then if any of you guys been in LA traffic, it's horrible. I hit traffic. And when I hit the traffic, I said, oh, that's not a problem. I got in the diamond lane, the carpool lane. And so at this time, they were building the fast track. So there was a center median between the, the carpool lane and the regular lanes. But I was all right. I was making good time. And the way I, I figure is if I do get a ticket, I get caught, it's okay because that's like paying the bill. It's $271. If I get caught twice a year, fine. I'll, I'll take that, right? <laughs> so I'm going, and this car didn't even have a radio. And since it didn't have a radio, I'm jamming in my own head. I'm like, mm, mm, driving. And then all of a sudden, I smell smoke. And I'm like, what does that sound? I'm like, what does that smell? I'm like, and then I look down, and since the floor was rusted out, I could see the smoke coming from the engine, and this thing just started to poop, 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 and slow down, right? And it started to slow down, and I just was like, this can't be happening. I'm in the diamond lane, but the first thing I thought was, I don't want to get a ticket. So I hopped out of the car. I looked up and was like, okay, how far do I have to go? Two miles into the turnoff to where the center median came apart. So I said, oh my gosh. And I did what I did all the time in my life, looking back to see if my mom or my dad would help me. I looked behind me to the lady behind me and I'll never forget her face. She, drew, she drove a beautiful all black Mercedes and she was beautiful. And I looked her in her eyes like, you gonna help me? <laughs> And she looked at me and was like, just shrugged her shoulders, like, I'm not touching that car with my beautiful car. <laughs> and so I put my head down and I started pushing. And it was cold. And as I was pushing, I started to cry. And when I was crying, I just realized, like, dang, you're in this position because of yourself. Like, you messed this up. It wasn't your mom's fault, your dad's fault. It wasn't anybody's fault. You didn't save your money like you were supposed to, so you would have had money to fix your truck and you wouldn't even be driving this thing. You didn't um, uh, communicate like you were supposed to with your mom and your dad to where they could have helped you. All these things just hitting me. And 
as I'm crying and I'm pushing, I look up and I'm almost done. I pushed that car by myself for two whole miles. And when I finished, I realized like, dang, I'm strong. I was like, nobody else would have been able to do that. But I didn't even, I was so much in my head and so embarrassed. And I pushed it and I looked up and it was like the Channel 7 news chopper looking down like, there's traffic because Guy's car <laughs> is holding up traffic in the diamond lane, right? And so I didn't know what to do. In LA, they have these tow trucks and they come and they'll tow you off the road because they don't want people on the freeway. And the guy told me off the road, he said, hey, where do you want me to take your car? And I was like, bro, I have no money. I don't know what to do. And by, by the grace of God, he said, you know what? I have a lunch break after this. Um, I'll just take you, I'll just tow your car all the way back home. So tow my car all the way back home. I'm thinking, and on the drive back, I said, okay, I messed this up. So you know what? I can fix it. So I did what all of us do when we need some quick help. I Googled how to be successful. Like literally Googled how to be successful. And when I Googled it, this uh, old gray-haired white man showed up. His name was Jim Rohn. And the little YouTube popped up, and I clicked on it. And it was the most inspirational video I had ever seen in my life. And he was just saying, you got to read. You got to read. And you got to read a book a week. You got to do this, this, and that. And I literally wrote down everything he said to do in that little YouTube. And I went home, and I was like, I'm going to start doing this today. Yeah, I have nothing to lose. If I do those small disciplines, those small ha habits compounded over time, that's what he said. He looked successful. He had a suit on. He looked like he had money. <laughs> then I could do, I can change this and take responsibility and do what I need to do. Come home, walk in the house. A friend of mine named Brandon, his nickname was Pookie was on my couch. And he was on the couch with another guy with, with dreads in his hair. And Pookie goes, tell him. And I'm like, tell me what? Well, who are you? I'm like, bro, I'm having the worst day. And he comes up to me and he says, are you Roy? And I say, yeah. He says, um, I'm Pookie's friend. I forget his name. Um, I've been talking to your girlfriend for the last month. And so I just kind of sat down, um, angry. And she actually lived with me, too. And we sat there. I sat there waiting for her to come home. And she came home. And that guy was on the couch. And I was on the couch. And she looked. And she ran into the room like that. And my first initial response was to just get angry, go off, get out. But I was just like, you know what? Nothing's more embarrassing than just what just happened on that road. I'm just going to relax. We actually just talked it out as adults. Um, she felt like I wasn't doing what I needed to do for her. And we just separated. But fast forward a year later, and I get invited to this big conference. And I started to work at Kaiser after I had that terrible job. Where's the, is this Kaiser? Where's the Kaiser table? Right here. So got a job at Kaiser. And if y'all don't know, Kaiser pays well at every position. Like 
you're, you're a janitor, they pay you like $30 an hour. Like, it's crazy. And so uh, this guy at Kaiser comes up to me, and I was reading uh, the book Steve Covey, Seven Habits of a Highly Effective People. And he came up to me and said, oh, man, I love that book. Uh, are you into, like, Jim Rohn? I'm like, yeah. And we just had a rapport. And he invited me to this seminar. And when he invited me to this seminar, we get there, and I'm like, whoa. Like, these people are successful. They're, like, business owners. I don't have a business. And so uh, this guy came up to me. He's like, hey, so what do you do for business? And I just lied straight to his face. I was like, I teach CPR for uh, first, first responders. <laughs> and, <laughs> and he said, okay, well, what makes your business different than other CPR businesses? And I was like, oh, well, and then they like ring the bell. It's like, we have to sit in our seats. And he's like, here, take my card. Let's have lunch. Let's talk. We go to lunch. And when we're at lunch, I'm not even listening to this guy. He's just talking and talking, whatever. And that's why uh, we did a billion dollars last year. What? What? Would you say? Yeah, yeah, we grossed a billion dollars. And I was just like, okay, tell me everything I need to do. And that guy, fortunate for me, took me under his wing, showed me a lot of things, showed me how to sell. Uh, helped me find my purpose, and just I just changed my whole life. I actually started an actual CPR business. <laughs> I wanted to write a book, right? And that book is out now. It's called The Success Magnet. But I said, I can't just put out no success book unless I make at least six figures. That's my number. OK, six figures, right? And then so I was able to do that. Moving forward, I was able to meet and coach with some real cool people. Donna Karen, uh, Arnold. Uh, this guy wrote a book called Three Feet from Gold. And this guy ran for president, and I think he lost to Obama, or like vice president or something like that. Got to meet some real cool people. And so I just want to talk to you guys about the one thing I learned and some distinctions that I learned that helped me flip everything. And it really just came down to performance, right? After I wrote that book, uh, the Success Magnet, a uh, trainer to an athlete got a hold of the book and was like, hey, bro, can you really do this stuff that you're talking about in the book? And I'm like, what stuff? Like, you can, like, help people with depression and help them, like, not be nervous. And I'm like, yeah. And so he flies me out to Portland, and I got to work with and my good friend, Alan Crabb. Right now he plays for the Brooklyn Nets. But at the time when he flew me out to Portland, um, um, not to really put his business out there, but he just basically told me what he was struggling with. And the thing about performance and is it seems so small, and we put like all these like moral judgments on ourselves when we can't do something small like work out or eat something clean, but really there's always something deeply rooted in our subconscious that once we become aware of it, then we have a choice about how we're going to act in that moment, right? And so we went through a process. And after we went through that process and working with uh, Casey, and I was teaching his trainer some of the stuff we do, he was able to earn himself a $75 million contract. He had his career high. I forget what that was. It's like 25, 30 points or something like that. So this same stuff that we're going to go over really fast, 
uh, it's the stuff that I use for the athletes. And the key is, is you guys are athletes too. Mommy athletes, doctor athletes, uh, HR athletes, you guys are athletes as well. You have an outcome just like he has an outcome, and we're going to show you how to do that. And that's just me. I did a TED Talk. You could just Google me, Roy Red. You can see the TED Talk where I talked about this stuff. This was TEDx Watts, uh, where we, they, we were deep in the trenches of like the projects, and they decided to do a TED Talk there. It was epic. It was amazing. And this TED Talk was the talk for the foundation to me actually speaking to people and me actually teaching this outside of just working with athletes. All right? So I want to make a bold statement. I want to judge your performance right now. You are always performing and achieving at 100%. Always. Right? A lot of people say performance, uh, potential is infinite, and, but we can't measure infinite. We can't do anything with that. So what I said was, we're always at our potential, but only up to our mindset ceiling. Okay? So if we can identify that mindset ceiling, then we can kind of move around and change and up our performance and our, our potential level. And that's my two-second sketch graphic that I made about that idea. So let's get into it. So the mindset ceiling is how the world looks to you. How things look to you is how I define the mindset ceiling. <clears throat> how the world looks to you is creating your experience. Another word we like to use is your perception of the world, right? And so one way to, to, to prove that idea is if I go to toss this at this gentleman here, he might just go to catch it and it's just an easy catch for you, right? But if I go to chuck this thing from this close a distance, what are you going to do? You know, put your hands up, try to die. <laughs> so we see how the world looks to him, right? She takes care of him. <laughs> um, and so how the world looks, looks to you is controlling your experience and your perception. A person's experience, experience is what's going on with them internally, right? That is mindset, your attitude. What's next? Emotional state, your feelings, body state, body sensations, thought and thought, press, thought processes, and your memories. Who you know yourself to be, that identity, is really just how you experience yourself. Okay? Your experience and your actions are consistent with each other. And they've proven this in neuroscience. The same brain patterns that are uh, controlling action are connected and networked with the same brain patterns that control perception and your experience. They come as one together. <clears throat> now, Tony Robbins says, it's in your moments of decision where your destiny is shaped, right? And so a lot of times we don't make the right decision that's best for us. We don't make our actual common sense or common practice. Like me ended up pushing that car like, why did I self-sabotage myself? I know what I needed to be doing, but I wasn't doing it. I wasn't making those decisions. And that's because it looks to us that we control our conscious decisions, right? 
We become aware of the thought first, so we believe that the thought caused the action. But that's actually an illusion. The brain acts before the mind decides. In neuroscience, they call this readiness potential. Any brain doctors, brain people here? Okay. So basically, they did these tests, and like they would um, have someone like touch something hot, and then later on, they would take that same person and they would bring something hot towards them, and they would their brain would already dis make the decision and start to react to that heat before they became conscious of the heat coming. Okay? So, the way to get a hold of your performance is to get a hold of your experience. And to get a hold of your experience is to get a hold of how the world looks to you. Okay? As a coach, I cannot make anybody perform any better. I can't make Alan perform any better. I can't make you guys perform any better. But I can make distinctions, what I call mindset gateways, to change how things look to you. And then you'll naturally perform and act differently. Okay? Your mindset ceiling is how the world looks to you. And how the world looks to you is represented in language. That's why there's, uh, I have a friend who's Chinese. He'll say something and I'll say, oh, what does that mean? He's like, there's, there's no word in English to explain this, this phenomena. And so literally he has experiences that, that I've never experienced because I don't have the language. Language, language words are anchors for experience. If I say cat, you guys see a cat, you see a cat you hate, you see a cat you love, or you see a picture of a cat, whatever memory that that, that word pulls from you, whatever experience that word pulls from you, that's going to pop into your head, right? Language is how we express intent, okay? Intending our desired action is what's going to create your performance and your results saying what you're going to do, right? But there's so many times that we say we're going to do something or we say we're going to achieve something, and I'm not saying that we're always going to achieve what we say we are just based on language, but I'm going to give you guys a secret and an advantage to increase the possibility for that. Language opens up a space that makes experience and action and results possible. So if I say I'm going to leave this, if I make the decision I'm going to leave this room right now, there's a possibility that I may not make it through that door, but it's a higher possibility that I will, right? Performers want a desired result. We talked about that. <clears throat> so your experience is networked with your actions, and that's going to create your result. We want to raise the possibility of your intended outcome to be actualized. So once we create the outcome we want in language, we need to be able to move in that space of possibility so that the percentage of our desired outcome is higher than the percentage of not achieving that outcome. That's what we're trying to do. Nothing is 100%, but we can get close. The more powerful a person is, 
in the space of possibility, the more likely they are to act in a way to get them to their desired result. The secret to raising the possibility of achieving our desired outcome is in your certainty level. How certain are you? I'm 99% certain I can get through that door. Even if maybe somebody wants to try to stop me, I'm pretty sure I'm fast. I will get out that door, right? So that certainty level. So not achieving the outcome comes down to how uncertain you are. Certainty is power. The opposite of certainty, uncertainty, is what lowers the possibility of your outcome coming into fruition. A lot of people say you got to believe it. You got to believe it to achieve it. I love belief. I love that word. But belief, people believe in things that they don't truly know. You need to know in your goals. You need to know in your outcomes. You need to be certain, not just believe them. Certainty versus uncertainty is the true game that we're playing. The highest level of certainty is natural knowing, something you know so well that it's just like walking, right? And you notice how walking is, we're so certain that we could walk, but it's so hard to explain. Explanations and, and having preconceived ideas sometimes could keep us from having a certainty level. Okay, so how do we know something? How do we know something and have certainty about it before we actually achieve it. If language creates how things look to you and how things look to you creates your experience, then the secret to experiencing total certainty is by trusting your own self-talk, your own inter internal dialogue. Your mind must accept what is said to it for it to open up action and take you to that performance level. We need your mind to trust your word. In the beginning, there was the word. Okay. There are four founda foundations that must be presented for your mind to trust what you say. First is to be real, be authentic, right? We were talking about authenticity earlier. I'm gonna show you guys how to be authentic right now, easy. Although we like to think we're real, there's times that we're fake, right? There's times that we're fake. There's times that I'm fake. For me to be authentic, I simply just have to admit that sometimes I'm not authentic. And that makes me authentic in an instant, if I'm just able to communicate that. Two, take 100% responsibility for what you experience, okay? Use language that supports your outcomes no matter the circumstances. And this is hard for people to accept. So real quick, I wanna do a quick experiment so you can feel what I'm talking about, okay? All experiences happen in the now moment. Your past experiences, when they happen, happen in that now moment. Your future experiences will happen in that now moment and you're experiencing, something, you're experiencing something right now, right? So right now, I want you guys to think to yourself really quick what you're experiencing. Take five seconds and just think to yourself what you're experiencing. Okay, 
if you guys actually did it, you would have realized you failed. Because when you went to tell yourself what you're experiencing, it wasn't the now moment anymore. It's what you're experiencing a moment ago. And it gets worse than that. It wasn't even what you're experiencing a moment ago because a moment ago no longer exists as an experience. It's a memory of experience. It's a concept of experience. It's what you said about the experience. Three, find something that you will die for. The mind, it's a, it's a survival thing. It wants to survive, right? When you're clear about what's bigger than you, your kids, a mission, your purpose, when you're actually clear about that thing, it's easy to override those, those mechanisms. The mind's job is, is the survival of you and what you identify with and consider yourself to be. Yeah, you want to survive, but you consider yourself being with your wife or your husband, you'll go into a burning building for them. You override that, that physical survival mechanism. Be clear about what you're willing to die for. Okay, last one, four, integrity. Become a person of integrity. Integrity is the unnoticed advantage. Integrity is a matter of your word. Nothing more and nothing less, okay? If you want your mind to accept your self-talk, your word has to be whole, complete, and undivided. Okay, integrity means, means to be complete and whole. If we have a bicycle wheel, if we take spokes out of that bicycle wheel, eventually it won't be able to roll. It won't be able to do its job. It won't be able to perform. Integrity is the pathway to getting the mind to accept your language and your suggestions that you give to it. If you do not do what you say, the mind will lose trust, which will make you less powerful of a person, and it will lower your certainty level. There are times when we cannot keep our word, and this causes us to lose power. But I'm going to give you guys a way to keep your word whole and complete. What we need is a system that will keep that word complete and undivided. And I call that system exalting your word. And exalting your word is just all a form of communication. What do we always say? We got to communicate better. We got to communicate better, right? Number one, to exalt your word, keep your word and keep it on time, period, point blank. And then when you're not able to keep your word or keep it on time, just communicate, hey, I can't keep my word and I can't keep it on time. And I'm not going to be able to keep that word or I will be able to keep it but at a future date. That keeps your word whole and complete and your intent whole and complete. It keeps performance on another level. All right. What you will do to deal with the impact on others for your failure to keep your word. So if you're not able to keep your word, you have to communicate that, I'm sorry, I can't help you, which may look, make, make, make you look like an a-hole, right? But that's okay. 
you got to be in integrity. A lot of times we fall out of integrity because we're afraid how we'll look to others. But if we are going to fix our word and actually do what we told someone we were going to do, then all we have to do is tell them, hey, I'm going to do it by this day, or I can't do it, and this is what I'm going to do to help or fix how I impact and messed up your schedule and your life and your performance by not showing up and doing what I said I was going to do. This is a direct, actionable way to keep your word powerful and trusted. When you apply this to your life and intend your language, you will literally be creating the performance you desire, which will get you the outcomes you guys want. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it so much. Now, there are six aspects to your word, and I share those in my book. And I'm going to give you guys all downloadable copies to all my books. All you have to do is text the word unnoticed to 55222. And then I'll set up a link for you guys tonight, and I'll send you guys all copies of the book. Okay? Loving all you guys. Thank you.